And good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Bob, pastor here at Church of the Open Door for Adult Ministries. I am amazed at how we have gathered here together today on this first day of the year. Praise the Lord, and may all glory be to Him. Wow. I am going to start by showing you something that many of you do not know. This is the inside of my office down the hall. And there's something in that picture I want to point out. It's a man on a horse. Now, some of you have been to my office for counseling or just to talk about various programs or perhaps you've volunteered for various activities. But that man has the name of Francis Asbury, who's on that horse. He was born, wow. Back in 1745, I'm going to give you a little history lesson right now. He was born into a working class family. And his parents attended an Anglican church. Today in America, we would probably call that the Episcopal church. And he dropped out of school like many children did to work back in those days. He was only 11 years old when he began to work as a blacksmith's apprentice, making horseshoes for horses. And by the time he was 14, by the way, his parents believed the scripture of training up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. His parents took him to church, and he worshiped the Lord, and at 14, he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Now, his mother took him regularly during the week to Methodist meetings because John Wesley was starting the English revival and people in that cold, dead Anglican church were coming to know Jesus personally. It was an exciting time. And he gave his heart to Christ at such an early age. But those Methodist meetings were something like what we call life groups here at Open Door. They met every week, they read the Gospels, they prayed for one another, and they helped one another as various needs came up. Well, in 1771, there was a gathering of Methodists that he attended, and John Wesley, who began the Methodist church there, and the Methodist movement of Bible studies that eventually became churches, John Wesley asked this group of people our brethren in America need help in spreading the gospel. Well, 1771, America wasn't even a nation yet. We were still 13 colonies. It's pretty rural, hardly any big cities. And Wesley said to the group, who is willing to go over to America and help spread the good news? And at 26 years of old, 26 years old, this young, this young man, Francis Asbury, said, I'll go, Mr. Wesley. And he boarded a ship and landed in America in Philadelphia in October of 1771. Well, that's supposed to be him in that painting. For the next 45 years, this young blacksmith apprentice 
traveled on horseback, are you ready for this? Over 300,000 miles. 300,000 miles on a horse. What did he do? He traveled through Kentucky, through Tennessee, through Virginia, through what is now West Virginia, through Pennsylvania, all up and down the coast and here into the Midwest, which was still Native American country. And he would stop and get off his horse and open his Bible, which he has open there crossing a stream. I don't know if I would have my Bible open going through the water. Preaching, leading people to a personal faith in Jesus. And he would not leave an area until there were at least three or four people that could begin to have a church and worship together. And he left hundreds of communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And eventually those little gatherings became Bible-believing, Christ-honoring Methodist churches. And so today you'll find there are statues of Francis Asbury, who was an 11-year-old blacksmith who loved the Lord and heard the call of God to spread the good news. We can learn an awful lot about sharing our faith from Francis Asbury. In fact, there's a university, Asbury University. Today, I attended Asbury Theological Seminary for my master's degree. We can learn a lot from him. But today, we're going to learn so much from the shepherds. Yes. I want us to now stand together, and we're going to read God's Word. We're going to uh, read starting at Luke chapter 2, verse 15. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to be looking at that. If you don't, please look at the screen. And it says this, When the angels had left them, when they'd left the shepherds and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You may be seated. Well, what can we learn from the shepherds? What can you and I in 2023 learn from some simple Ordinary people that had been tending their sheep. Well, first of all, they listened to God. You know, in verse 10, it says, An angel of the Lord announced to these shepherds. What did they say? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. But verse 15 
tells us a little more clearly what really was going on. The Bible says that they recognized that that angel wasn't just speaking angel talk. That angel said, let's go to Bethlehem, they said, and see this thing that the Lord told us about. They knew it was the Lord speaking to them, not just an angel speaking on their own. They recognized that God himself had sent that angel. They were listening not just to an angel, but they were listening to God. And that makes me wonder this question. Are you and I listening to God? Has God been speaking to you through somebody else? Think about it. God spoke to them through an angel. Well, what else can we learn? Well, they heard the good news. Psalm 115, verse 6 says, People have ears to hear, but cannot hear. That's so true. You know, sometimes that's me. Sometimes I think I'm listening to my wife at home. And after a few minutes, she says, did you really hear what I said? No, I didn't. Would you say that again, please? I had ears to hear, but I didn't hear. I listened, but I wasn't hearing. You're not really hearing what the person's saying. You're not getting the message. Well, the shepherds were listening, and they really heard the good news. They got it. And what was the good news? Well, today in the town of David, a Savior's been born to you, He's the Messiah, he's the Lord, a Savior. Well, if you have a Savior, you have to have somebody to save you from something. And Matthew 1.21, it says a Savior has been born. And it says here, you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. You know, that sounds like the gospel, doesn't it? And who are these people? I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. Not just for the shepherds. Not just for the Jews. Not just for the Gentiles, the Romans. Not just for us here today. For everyone. And so what else are we going to learn now from these shepherds? Well, they decided to check it out. They said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried and hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to check something out that somebody tells you. Sometimes you see on television an ad for something, and they advertise it, and it sounds like it's too good to be true. And then you order it, and oh boy, how do I send this back? It was too good to be true. It wasn't what it was cracked up to be. 
These shepherds were not the wise men. The wise men came weeks later. But I'm telling you, they were very wise. They decided to check out this baby for themselves. A baby who had been prophesied hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Well, what's the next thing we can learn? They were compelled to share the good news. The shepherds were told the good news. The angels left. They went and checked out the story for themselves as they referred to it as this thing that has happened. Wow, what a thing. And they got to be with Jesus. What'd they do next? What do you think they did next? Do you suppose they went back to their sheep? Uh, or maybe they went home. Maybe they had a really nice Christmas dinner. Maybe they wanted to spend some time with their family. And that was that. No. You say that didn't happen? That isn't what happened? Well, you know what? You're right. Because that is not what happened. Verse 17 says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about that child. Sort of a ripple effect, you know, like when a motorboat goes down the water, there's ripples. Well, first the angel told him good news, and it was such good news they couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to tell other people. And the gospel radiated out. Gospel means good news. And that should happen with you and me. And sometimes it doesn't. The good news of a great joy has that effect. It makes you want to tell other people. They didn't need to have a formal evangelism program. They didn't need to go to seminary or Bible college. They just repeated what they had heard and told others what they had seen and experienced. And that's really all witnessing is. Nothing fancy, no secret formula, just telling other people the good news that you have discovered for yourself. I'm reminded of the Samaritan woman. You remember her in the Bible, John chapter 4? Jesus met her at the well and sat down with someone who was rejected by most of society and began to talk with him. And he told her about living water that would well up inside her and give her eternal life. And it says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the Bible says these people that she went to were amazed. They were amazed that this woman who was not accepted by society had had an encounter with one who was to be the Messiah. It reminds me of verse 18 that we read just a few moments ago. And it says, the people who heard the shepherds were also amazed. That's sort of the way it is. You know, when you hear good news, you want to share it with somebody. You don't need a program. You don't have to be pressured. If somebody has a good thing they can rejoice in, you want to share it. When you get a raise and pay at work, you come home and tell your wife 
or husband or family. If you get a promotion, you can't wait to get home and tell somebody. If you go to see a movie that's powerful and stirring, you call people up or you see them out in the lobby here at church and you say, hey, I just saw a movie. And that reminds me, a few weeks ago, there was a Christian movie out at the Regal Theater in Sheffield. It was called, I Heard the Bells. I don't know if many of you saw it, but boy, a lot of people about three weeks ago grabbed me out in the lobby and said, you know, you and Jackie need to go see this movie. I said, what was it about? Well, it's about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and how his faith was renewed right in the middle of the Civil War. It was great. It was powerful. Pastor Bob, it was touching. Everybody at Open Door ought to go see it. And if it's not there anymore, you probably should watch it on on Netflix. Everybody urged me to see it. Think about it for a minute. We have been given good news by God himself. He has loved us so much that he gave his son for us. I've never had anybody give their child that I might live, but God did. It was such a momentous event that we even mark our history, our timeline, by the birth of Jesus. B.C., before Christ. A.D., in Latin it's Anno Domino, which means in the year of our Lord. The coming of Jesus is God's plan for us to live forever as Adam and Eve were meant to live forever in the Garden of Eden. Folks, there is no plan B, only plan A. Christmas is good news for all the people. Shepherds, Methodists, Lutherans, Catholics, Baptists, agnostics, atheists, yes, and everyone in between. God wants everyone to receive the good news. Why? It's for all people, because all have sinned. The Son of Man, Jesus said, came to seek and to save the lost. And we are lost. We cannot find our way to heaven without Jesus. Almighty God wants every one of us to not just know about Jesus, which I did for many years, He wants us to know Jesus. There's a big difference. To know about someone and to know them. And God will use our feeble witnesses. We can witness to our family. We can share the good news with our neighbors, with our classmates, with fellow workers. I'm not talking here about pounding people over the head. I'm not talking about you going out and being a Bible thumper. I'm not talking about you being a holy Joe or a holy Hannah. We need to avoid arrogance and preachiness because it's not our gospel. It's the good news that we've been given by someone else, by Almighty God. We need to speak and share out of the joy that we have and we've found in our love for other people. The Bible says that true followers of Christ will share the good news with others. Well, sharing the gospel is called evangelism. Yeah. But sharing it one-to-one is called witnessing. 
you know, years ago, somebody told me this was evangelism. Hmm, what is that? That's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, sharing the bread. And that's all it is, is telling someone about Jesus, telling them what you've found that they can have an experience for themselves. You might say, well, Pastor Bob, that all sounds really good this morning. I just can't do that. And you know what? You're probably right. You probably, in and of yourself, probably can't do that. Not in your own strength. But God promises in Scripture, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, you will be my witnesses. Let me add this. The story of how you came to know Jesus, not know about him, but to know him. That's your testimony. It might not always be accepted by people, but you are to plant the seed. You can be a Johnny Appleseed, planting the seed. And God promises he will be the one to take care of watering it, putting light upon it, and growing it, and maturing it. He will bring that seed that you've planted into the heart and soul of the person you've spoke to, whether you think it's happened or not. Well, how can you prepare to witness? Wow. One of the very best ways is number one, live a godly life. Don't be a phony. Live a consistent Christ-centered life. If you know where your sin is in your life, confess it to God because he has promised if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You can even pray a prayer like King David did when he said, create in me a pure heart, O God. Is your heart pure? You need to do business with the Lord. Oh, how he is waiting for you. And be a good friend and be a good listener. Non-Christians usually look at Christians and say, oh, they're hypocritical because they see us doing one thing and saying another thing. Show people that are close to you that you are truly walking with God. Let the light of Christ reflect from you, just like the moon reflects the sun. Reflect the love of Jesus to people. And if you find it hard to do, I'm telling you, there may be some sin in your life that needs to be dug up and exposed to the light of the Holy Spirit. Well, what else? Make a habit of reading the Bible don't just read a little devotional book as good as the daily bread is. Read God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Things like Bible reading and praying and going to church, they shouldn't be done just for habit. They should be done because you want to grow in your faith. Somebody once said, the Bible will keep you from sin 
or sin will keep you from the Bible. Never forget that Jesus himself, the Son of God, memorized a new scripture. At the beginning of his ministry, he was taken out into the desert and tempted by the devil. Forty days. And he just said, oh, get away from me. Just go away. Leave me alone. No. He quoted scripture. Three times he was tempted to sin. And three times he quoted God's word right back to Satan. And Satan left. He flees at the word of God. Paul's letter to Timothy puts it very clearly. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Well, another important part that we need to realize in preparing the witness is to pray for those you interact with. Pray the Holy Spirit will be preparing the heart of somebody you're going to talk to. Yeah. Pray for people not just on a prayer list, but even a flash prayer of somebody that comes into your mind or you see suddenly in a store. And James 1.15 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. He's not out to find fault in you and me, folks. And it will be given to you. That's grace. Receiving something you don't deserve. God will bless you in your efforts. Well, at the same time, we need to do something more than just living a godly life, reading God's word and praying for people. Yeah, we need to be looking for opportunities. People need to hear that God loves them. This is a world we're living in of people who do not feel love at all. They are bombarded by the media and the media has nothing usually about God at all. They need to hear that someone loves them and cares for them. The Bible says in Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how then can they call on one whom they've not believed in? How can they believe in one whom they haven't heard? How can they hear without someone preaching or witnessing to them? A few weeks ago, Pastor Jim challenged everyone in this congregation that was here physically. And there's, this was a really good reason to be in church, and not just on the internet. He challenged everybody a few weeks ago with what he called the reverse offering. Do you remember that? Everybody here on that day received a $10 bill. And they were instructed to go out and find someone that they could bless and pray that the Lord will lead you, lead you to the right person. And you did it. Almost all of you did it. In fact, we have some really great testimonies of what happened in the back of our new annual report that is out in the foyer, if you'd like to take our annual report. Let me tell you, praying for someone to witness to is very similar to praying for someone to give that $10 to. Well, let me share with you now, and I want to wrap this up, and I want to be very practical. I want to share with you eight principles for effective witnessing, and I hope you all have a pen. One, contact other people 
socially. To catch fish, you got to be where the fish are. It's a fact, however, that most of us as Christians, almost all of our friends are other Christians. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We are to gather together. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But Jesus went and ate with sinners. He did not become a sinner. He ate with them. And that's part of the problem. Sometimes we go into our culture and the culture affects us rather than us affecting our culture. Don't be afraid of people who are different from you. We're not to be in isolation. To, to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. And to be a friend involves listening. Well, what else? Number two, establish a common interest. Find out what common interests you have with somebody, and that's the first thing you talk about. Jesus talked uh, with a woman at the well about water. Our fathers came here and drank from this well. Yeah, just he didn't start talking to her. You need to turn to God, lady. You are such a sinner. You've had five husbands. No, that's where he began. He began talking about something they had in common, and she appreciated that someone spoke to her and took time. They put down his cell phone and his iPad, and he talked to her. Well, you get the point I'm trying to make? We need to focus in on people one-to-one and not be distracted. Jesus talked to her about something they had in common. All right, three, never debate or argue with somebody. You will never win someone to Christ by arguing with them. You can never answer every objection in the Bible and they'll say, you know what, Bob, Mary, Susan, Jim, I'm now going to accept Christ as my Savior because you've answered every question I have in the Bible. If you ever run into somebody like that, would you let me know? That doesn't happen. I had somebody once that I spent an hour with answering how this earth stood still or how a virgin could have a baby or some of the other things, how Jesus could walk on water. I answered every objection they had. And you know what? They still came up with another objection, another objection, and another objection. You don't win anybody by answering their objections. You need patience. You need a gentle temperament. You need to love people. But don't argue or debate. What else? Well, arouse curiosity. Feel free to ask questions that can open up a conversation, such as, hey, what do you think might be wrong with the world? Are you troubled by what you see in our culture? That, that's a good open-ended question. But another better way to create curiosity is to tell somebody, you know what? I used to do this. I used to do that. And something happened that changed my life. Most people will not let that go by. They'll say, what happened? What was it? Get them to ask you. Hang some bait there, you might say, and the fish will take the bait. Hang a question out there. Hang a situation out there that they want to know more. Arouse curiosity. Jesus used questions all the time in his ministry. 
if people are curious about how you've changed, they will ask you, trust me. And then you can tell them the before, the how, and the after. You can tell them what life was like before, how you came to Christ, that's the how, and the after effects, how your life has changed. And then don't go too far. Don't. Don't lecture people. Don't overwhelm them. Don't do too many studies in the scripture back and forth, flipping the pages, and they'll be afraid that maybe you're like some of those people that knock on their door of their house and try to come in and talk to them about God. No, don't go too far. But certainly don't condemn. Make sure that the person you're talking to knows that you love them and that God loves them. And you're not going to reject them if they give you answers that you don't like or want. Oh, folks, stick with the main issue. The main issue is Jesus. Remember, you're not trying to get them to accept a religion. You're not trying to get them to be members of Church of the Open Door. You're trying to get them to know Christ. It's not a religion, folks. It's a relationship. And then ask for a decision. Help them to realize that they need to make a personal decision. And that one day, one day, they need to decide for or against Christ. And if they don't make a decision, remember that God will still water that seed that you're planting. It may not be in your timing, but God will honor his word. The Bible says if Christ is lifted up, not just sometimes, if Christ is lifted up, it says, people will be drawn unto him. Well, do you remember my opening slide? We had this guy, Francis Asbury, riding through the water. I'm not asking any of you in this room to ride a horse. I'm not asking any of you to ride 300,000 miles on a horse to tell people about Jesus. But I do want to ask you, can you share some bread with somebody? Can you introduce people to the bread of life? We celebrated communion with the bread. Can you share that with someone else? In a few minutes, we're going to sing our closing song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Every one of you knows that song. And I'm not asking any of you to go onto a mountain or over the hills but I might ask you to go anywhere, anywhere God leads you. The old gospel song that I grew up with after I was saved had an opening chorus that went, it went something like this. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift of Jesus. We love Christmas. We love that our Savior was born. But Father God, if there hadn't been a crucifixion and a resurrection, we would never be celebrating his birth. 
Thank you that we serve a risen Savior, that he's in the world today, that he can live within us, and that one day we will be with you in eternity. I pray for each person here, Lord, in this room and in our other campuses. I pray that each one will want to share the good news. They'll be praying for people that you will open the door and cause them to run into or meet with, even unexpectedly. And they will allow the Holy Spirit to give them the words to say. Father, help us to be witnesses to Christ, just like the shepherds. Help us to spread the word. This is a world that needs the word. We ask this now in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.